Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. Welcome to the show, guys. We are back talking exercise science, as always. I shouldn't say as always, as we have been the last few weeks. Um, I'm going to jump right in. No promos today. Not going to talk about you know going to check this out, check that out. I want to jump right in. Um, again, I want to try to keep this brief. And I was trying really hard in this particular um, this particular episode to not go too deep into the exercise science world. And I, and I know I said at the beginning of these that I really want to make sure that I get across the most important parts. Not to say that these podcasts are giving you the, just the bullet points of exercise science, but really why the reason why you need to understand some of the principles, right? So I'm not trying to go into exactly every detail down to the minute um, cellular reaction, right? That would be very boring. And there's a million textbooks you can read. Uh, for example, the one that I'm referencing in, in these last three uh, podcasts, including this one, is just exercise physiology, physiology, human bioenergetics, and its applications. Brooks, Faye, White, and Baldwin. Again, kind of the gold standard from XFIS text standpoint. Um, the main reason I want to get this out again is just to show or to have people have you guys understand that when you when we talk to our clients. And we're trying to get them to um, push themselves to the limit, you know, using that overload principle. Uh, there are certain things that we have to understand how that actually works from a physiological standpoint and a psychological standpoint, right? Because if I'm trying to elicit change in my clients, which again, we all should be, right? The thought being, I can't get you to change if I don't motivate you the right way. And we've talked about different ways to motivate, but part of knowing how to motivate someone is understanding what you're actually trying to do on a cellular level. Now, they don't need to know that, right? They don't have to know, you know, uh, what's going on in the mitochondria or, you know, the actin and myosin and sliding filament theory. They don't have to know that. And heck, you don't have to know that in terms of how many how many ATP are you know uh, generated um, in the electron transport chain or you know through you know uh, uh, gluconeogenesis and you know all of these different you know pro, uh, procedure procedures all of these different um, things that happen in the body processes but it's it's good to have a general idea at least a jump off point. And that's kind of what I'm trying to provide here is to kind of just explain, here's what that is. And, and hopefully you're like, holy cow, there's a lot more to that than I thought. It would behoove me to look this up. And that's exactly what I hope happens. So again, I've mentioned before in this entire series, I am not saying or um, implying that if you have a degree in exercise science that you are 
superior or that you know more or that you're better suited to train or anything. And I'm not saying that if you don't, you're not. All I'm saying is there's some basic information that people need to know about the body that comes from exercise science. Uh, and there's many ways to go about it. You can go get a four-year degree. You can buy some books and study yourself. And you can continue to educate yourself. And that's that's the main take-home message here. So we talked a little bit about nutrition last time. Um, I want to talk about some actual cellular phys- physiology today. And again, we're going to get real basic here. This is by no means a deep dive. Um, you know, I used to teach... Uh, anatomy and physiology. I used to teach exercise physiology and biomechanics. And one of the things that I always started with, uh, especially in the physiology and the ex-phys, was actual muscle contraction. Like what's going on there? Now, again, uh, I'm not going to go into great detail, you know, about how it happens, but the general, you know, thought process is you have a, uh, a nerve or a signal from your nervous system uh, going across uh, the, the axon to the muscle cell and it goes across a sodium and potassium pump you know, membrane. Again, these are things that are like, oh wait, yeah, I've heard about sodium and potassium and, and if we're running low on this, we can have muscle cramps. So, you know, okay. And that releases, when that happens, that triggers release of calcium into the muscle cell, which calcium then binds to troponin, which moves the tropomyosin complex that's on uh, the, the, the filaments that, the, that, you know, on the actin filaments that then create or open up these myosin binding sites and the myosin latch on, and then they have a stroke uh, where they pull uh, inward and then it releases and it happens over and over again. And that's how we shorten the muscle or contract the muscle. And again, we can go into great detail on just that alone. I could talk for a couple hours on the exact you know processes going on. That's not necessarily the important part. The important part is understanding that there are a lot of things going on there. You, you heard me mention calcium. You heard me mention sodium and potassium. Uh, all of these are in, in order to help the process happen. That's the chemical reaction that happens that shortens the muscle. What drives that is ATP, uh, adenosine triphosphate. That's what drives that movement. And we get the adenosine triphosphate from you know, breaking down uh, the chemical reactions that break down glucose, uh, sugars. And there's different ways to do that, getting it from the stored muscle, getting it from... Um, uh, the liver. And so we talked about a little bit about it in the, in, in one of the episodes here about, you know, some of the energy systems that we train use muscle stores. Some use a little bit, uh, of other things to, to generate the ATP. But again, why am I saying all this? All of this is to say that this is important to understand so that we have a base knowledge of when we're talking to our clients about nutrition and we're talking about you know how these things happen and what's going on you can describe a very basic picture of this and that helps the athlete understand when you're talking about say 
uh, uh, concentric and eccentric contractions, uh, or when you're talking about isometric contractions, why do we get cramps? Why do we get, um, why do we fatigue? Right? So if I'm, if I'm going and I'm, and I'm saying doing bicep curls, why, why do all of a sudden my bicep, you know, goes out? Well, we're running out of ATP, right? Uh, a cramp could be because there's something, you know, we've always heard, oh, you gotta, you, you need more potassium. Well, the potassium helps again with that diffusion across the membrane, that sodium potassium pump that that makes the calcium then release into the muscle cell. And again, I'm, I'm painting an extremely basic picture here, but the idea is having a working knowledge or at least a basic understanding of how that works can give you a better foundation to describe these things when your clients ask you. When they ask you, hey, why do my muscles cramp or why do I fatigue? What's going on when I fatigue? And maybe your clients don't ask you that. I, I, I've been in the business 20 plus years. I get asked that all the time. What's going on? Or do I just need to eat bananas? Because, you know, they hear things out there and you could say, yeah, I just eat a banana or potassium supplements. Or they might say, should I be supplementing calcium? Well, I mean, in a certainly in a, um, you know, basic understanding yeah you need enough calcium in your diet that's definitely something that would help especially when it comes to muscle contraction if we're deficient in calcium uh, we may not be able to do it um, but there's a lot to it right and again getting into being a full-on physiologist about this with your clients is not necessarily what they want but if you have a command of that and an understanding of that then you start to understand when you look at ingredients from uh, certain supplements, pre-workouts, um, how is that all going to affect the muscle contraction, uh, the release of, of ATP, and things like that. And that's the point I'm trying to make. And so that when you go, uh, I have clients ask me about supplements all the time, and there's so many of them out there. I don't know all of them. But if it's a stimulant, I know what that's supposed to do. If it's a recovery, I kind of understand what that's supposed to do. If it's a muscle builder or mass gainer, I know what that's supposed to be doing. But the idea is, if, you're, if your clients are asking you, should I take this with this and that with that? You're trying to think about, well, does that work? And if you understand not only what the product is supposed to do, but what happens physiologically, you can then reasonably say, well, if, you're, if your diet is A, B, and C, you don't need this particular supplement. And again, I know I'm, I'm painting a very broad stroke here, but I, again, I, it could be so, it's so nuanced I could go on in, in infinite detail here, but that's not what you guys wanna hear. What you guys wanna know is that having that base understanding of how the muscle actually contracts from starting there and then kind of extrapolating out the chemicals and the nutrients and the minerals that go into doing that actual contraction, that's when you can start helping your clients understand taking a multivitamin or this supplement versus that, or maybe they don't need any of that depending on what their diet looks like. If they have certain dietary restrictions and they can't take something or eat something, maybe they have to take a supplement and here's why. And the, the why is the filling in the physiology part here that kind of gives them an understanding of, oh, that's why I feel weak or feel fatigued all the time because I'm low on this 
mineral or this nutrient or something like that. Again, I hope that that, that makes a sense without being too vague. Again, because I'm trying my hardest not to go into super nerdy detail about this. Um, anyhow, uh, the, the other part I wanted to talk about when it came to muscle physiology and, and uh, strength training, or as it relates to, to how you as a trainer and coach need to understand it, are, are these built-in protective mechanisms in our body that we have to override in order to get stronger. And you've, you've heard me talk about these before. I've probably mentioned them at least once or twice over the last year or so. Um, and that is the muscle spindles and the Golgi tendon organs. The GTO or the Golgi tendon organs are sensors or mechanoreceptors in your tendons, in the muscles, that sense force or changes in tension. And so what happens is when they sense that change in, in, in tension, they send a signal to relax that particular muscle. And it does that to protect itself so that you don't maximally contract and hurt it. Again, that's a built-in protective mechanism. So you might be thinking, well, you know, if I do that, you know, how, how can I, how can, how can I not, you know, go over that? Well, there are two ways that we can do this. One is psychological and one is physiological. From a psychological standpoint, the more confidence you build with your client, like if they come in there and they're like, they've never done a back squat before and they're scared to do a back squat. The first time you teach it to them, even if it's with PVC pipe, they're, you know, they're a little shaky, they're a little wobbly, they don't have the coordination. They start to get a little balance and coordination after some practice. Then the first time you do it with the bar, and some weight, and you add a little bit of weight, even if it's not near a maximum weight, they start to get confidence. Oh, okay, this is what it feels like. I can do this. And the perception changes. So you build them up, you build their confidence up. That's the psychological part. And that pays off so when you go to do a maximal attempt, a one rep max, or maybe they they think their one rep max is 100 pounds and you're going to try 105 and you're like, that's something I don't know if I can do. But they have the confidence to get under the bar and try. And if they do, they uh, and they and they get it, then they know that's a affirmation they've gotten stronger. But the idea is there might be some muscle damage or even tendon damage in this case because we overrided those protective mechanisms, uh, right? And now all of a sudden we're... we're we're getting into territory where we might hurt ourselves, which is why we don't max out every day. We don't max out every month even necessarily. Um, you can have rep maxes uh, that are sub-maximal weight, but you don't go to a true maximum weight every session. You shouldn't. Uh, it's fun, <laughs> but you're not, gonna, you're not gonna make it very long and you're gonna tear down your body doing that because of these structures. However, that's the, that's the psychological part. On the physiological standpoint, the more you train, the more your body gets used to that. And pushing the limits, getting close to that physiological standpoint, what it does is it builds your body's resistance to that. You lay down thicker, more tendon material, thicker tendons. Now all of a sudden you're like, okay, before if I had done 105 pounds, I would have blown out every, every tendon I have in my knees, hips, wherever if we're using our squat uh, analogy here. 
But now I've, I've worked out, my max is 100, I'm trying to go for 105. I've been working out at 90 pounds, 95 pounds. So I'm pushing it, I'm getting close to what my maximal weight is, and I'm doing it consistently, that's the key. Your body lays down new material, new connective tissue to support that new use. Your body says, hey, this is something we're doing now. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta put down more, more groundwork, more base here. And then you go to do 105 and you're physiologically ready for it because your body has adapted. And that's how we then override that Golgi tendon organ by making, by progressively putting more stress on it so it lays down more tendon material. Now this, where is this, why is this important? Well, that's, that's the whole, you know, overload principle. If we never do that, if we never push beyond that and, and build up to, to some heavy, you know, doubles and singles to try to work on getting stronger, we might get developed muscles, but we may not be getting stronger. And then when we try to push past that, we hurt ourselves. So if I'm not saying every lifting injury from a maximal weight is because our body wasn't ready for it, but could be a move out of position or whatever. But generally that's what we're talking about, which is why it's super important, especially with new young lifters to not worry about weight. You do want to load it, but you want to build up those tendons and the support structures before you really worry about you know, getting a lot of hypertrophy on the muscle. I can tell you from experience with my elbows, I have very long arms for my, for my body. And when I curl, when I press, when I clean, my elbows feel it more than anything. And I've just got very long arms and, and very, uh, uh, long attachment sites. So, you know, my, 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 I don't have a, I'm not optimally built uh, for, for power in my upper body, but doesn't mean it can't do it. it. Just means I have to build up a lot of base. I have to get a good foundation before I really worry about pushing the strength. So doing higher rep stuff to build up, you know, some muscular endurance, but also hit some doubles and triples for a few weeks to build up that tendon strength before I go for a one rep max. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to hurt myself, or I, I mean, even if I don't hurt myself, I certainly won't be able to break through and, and keep maxing out, which is why when you see people a lot of times, and I've been guilty of this too, you know, hit heavy singles every time they go into the gym and it may, you know, feel good and you may sweat and you may, you know, like, oh man, I lifted heavy today and you did, but you go and see that person lifting a year later and they're not lifting very much different weights or, or you know very they're, they're about the same weights and why is that well it's because they haven't allowed their body to adapt by challenging those Golgi tendon organs and and laying down more connective tissue to then be able to physiologically withstand more maximal weight without injury muscle spindles act very much the same way they, they sense t uh, changes in length of the muscle. Uh, so if they think something's being stretched beyond, they actually lock down uh, muscles around that area to protect it so that we don't override it. And again, these are, these are ways, these are built-in me um, protective mechanisms that we can override. 
and it's important to do that. But here's where the take-home message is, and I hope I hope you've already been thinking about this. When we use exogenous testosterone uh, or other performance enhancers, what can happen and does happen very often is our muscles grow faster than our tendons and our ability to produce force and, and, um, and, and rapidly produce force goes up without the appropriate, um, we'll say, groundwork for those tendons and ligaments. And what happens is those tendons can't keep up with the force that the muscle can produce. And that's when we have tears in the tendon. And so <laughs> I'm not sitting here saying all steroid users or, or PED users are going to rip their joints up, but it is very common. It does happen. And it's something that is, um, you know, a common mistake that is, is made by that. Now, you can read between the lines and say, oh, well, I can still take steroids, but I, I've got to just you know, use lighter weights and not, you know, overdo it and try to build up those tendon, tendon strength along the same time. Well, yes. Uh, but I think the, the, the more, <laughs> the bigger point I'm trying to make is don't do that. You can get there naturally to, to, to a point, right? That if you do it the right way, if you follow the programming the right way and you periodize again, that, and, and have a progression to overload your system. Again, going back to those nine principles, you can build very, very strong, um, uh, muscles and a strong foundation to build off of for years. And yes, there are genetic limits and pharmacology then jumps into it and, and can, can play a role. Um, you guys know that I'm, you know, an advocate against a lot of that stuff. So, uh, I'm not going to really go into any detail there, but at the end of the day, when you're trying to get someone stronger, you have to lay down the groundwork. You have to really make sure those tendons are strong enough to, for the, the increased muscle size you might do in a hypertrophy phase. So that's why you need to know some of this muscle physiology stuff. And and, and to you know just kind of illustrate one other thing, you might sometimes see lighter lifters or skinnier lifters that can outlift people that are 15, 20 pounds heavier. Or smaller people even if they have a lot of musculature be able to lift a ton of weight and it just doesn't compute well a lot of it is their structure their foundation their tendons and ligaments are so strong because they put in that work that they can hold and withstand those weights so olympic weightlifters you see a lot of little guys and girls men and women that are small in stature but can lift tremendous weights, triple their body weight. 120 pound individuals putting up 360 pound clean and jerks. It's insane, but that's how that's possible. Now, you can get into the nuances of, is it, were they enhanced, this, that, the other thing, maybe, but the point being, they ha still have to do that groundwork otherwise no matter how strong the muscle is you're going to run into injury if you push past what that Golgi tendon organ is trying to prevent you from doing 
unless you've laid down the groundwork and built better connective tissue. Okay, so again, I, I've gone a little bit more into <laughs> uh, detail there than I wanted to, but I, but I hope that paints a picture of why muscle physiology is un important to know. And, and just to kind of wrap up this whole exercise science thing, I'm going to turn the music off for a second here. I really want you guys to hear this. When you are training someone, it is your responsibility to get them the information and the education to produce the results that they want, address the things that they need, and to provide them the education so that they can make better choices outside of the gym when they're not with you, whether that's nutritionally or rest, or if you're training them once a week and then they go to the gym by themselves. This is something that I've run into where I, I can control what they do in here. I write them a program to follow in the gym outside of the, the gym, and then they go and do something completely crazy and they get hurt or they get tight or they don't progress. Why? Because they're not doing everything like we said. If they have an understanding of what's going on, and, and more to the point, if you have an understanding of what's going on physiologically, when you explain that to them, it's going to make a better impact on their choices because they have a better understanding of what is actually happening or and why it's important to follow exactly what you are writing for them. And that's going to help their adherence, which helps their results which ultimately helps you when you try to market yourself as a good trainer. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Hopefully, um, this very broad, generic view of exercise science paints that picture of why it's important to know some of this stuff. And uh, if you want to know more resources, where to go, what are some of the best books, I've given you two or three that I use daily, um, but there's many more uh, and many more people and resources uh, that I can give you to go check out some more information. Have a great day.